Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana and Arliss, and we have an amazing guest with us today. Kristen is the Chief Visionary Officer at MindStar Health. Her company focuses on self-care, education, and awareness for all minds. She is an international speaker, writer, app creator, and lover of mango smoothies. I am so excited to welcome Kristen to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Um, You know, every time I hear my intro, it's like, wow, I do all those things. (laughs) You kind of forget when you're in it as an entrepreneur, all the things as you expand um, cause, and it's just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess that is me. <laughs> so thank you for that. I love that. I totally resonate with that statement, Kristen. It's like, sometimes you you don't think about all you've done in the moment of simply being. Um, and I, I think that may even come into play in today's podcast. I'm sure, right. Is the, the many ways that we are, but, um, don't necessarily recognize our being, but I'd love to kick off here and ask the first question. What part of your body has been the easiest for you to love? The easiest for me to love has been my eyes. Um, that is because I have my father's eyes, um, which turns to various shades of blue. And I do love the color blue. But I will be honest, it's because it's what I heard the most growing up. Oh, you have such pretty eyes, pretty eyes. Um, so that one was, of course, the easiest to love. And um, just because I heard it all the time, which isn't a bad thing. It's just the truth. Um, so now are you curious what's taking the longest to love? Now that one I can give a pretty good answer on. Um, that is the overall shape of my body of being more pear shaped and my curves coming in and these hips coming in, um, gosh, 14, 15 years old and getting wider about every year. It seemed like, and my upper body kind of just staying the same at the time being, you know, um, a little bit just smaller athletic and then learning to embrace those curves. And now as a mother of three, I really embrace them. Um, but that one was, was the hardest to embrace. Uh, the easiest was just the eyes just because of what I've been told pretty much all my life. Well, and I can relate to that. I also have blue eyes and it's something that has been commented on throughout my life. Um, We actually have a lot of similarities. You're a stunning redhead, which is pretty rare. Um, And I would imagine that you probably get a lot of compliments on your hair these days and how beautiful your hair is. Is that the case? I do, uh, though. I will be honest, my hair, I do dye it. It does have a reddish tone to it, but I do bring out the red actually with a little bit of pink Um, and because of my complexion, you know, so the fair skin, blue eyes, and then with this reddish undertone that I now kind of compliment in my own way, uh, tried blonde. That was a disaster. Um, We've all had that phase. We're like, I'm going to trip. And for some people, it looks fantastic. And for me, it did. But it was one of those where I was bleaching my hair for hours. I'm like, this isn't worth it. Um, and so embracing that, um, also embracing my unicorn strands, my strands of wisdom, my gray hair. Uh, but yeah, it's something, you know, eyes, hair, the complexion, um, I've having porcelain skin, um, 
you know, it was one of those things I've never looked at someone and thought, which is interesting that I've never really, I've never had this thought is I wish I had their complexion or I wish I had their eye color. I wish I had their, it's always been for me. Wow. They have beautiful skin. Wow. They can tan and not burn. That's fantastic. That's probably the closest to where I've been a little bit envious, but I learned to embrace my features a long time ago because I did the whole try tanning thing in the nineties and two thousands. We all tried again. And, uh, I kind of just learned to embrace it and thought this is the way the universe made me. Then I need to respect that. And I need to honor that there's a reason for that. And so just add, you know, sunscreen, it's just an everyday thing. Um, and same thing with my hair, you know, if I'm adding color to it, obviously, want to look, I need to take care of it. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where, um, I think a lot of times we look at other people and we wish, and I'm very much believer of just, it is what it is, but not in a negative way. Like there's a reason for it. And when I start looking for reasons of why I have this eye color and why I have this hair color and why I have this, I find it right. When we look for something, we'll find the answer a good or bad. Um, and when it comes to the body, when I started to, that was the curves that was, I do have larger arms, which makes it a little tricky for shirts at times. Um, embracing that and thinking, okay, well, I have these big arms, but they're strong. They lift up my kids. They can lift heavy things. And I love surprising people when they're like, Oh, do you need help with that? I'm like, no, no, I got it. I know how to lift something, you know, and look with your legs and, so I think a lot of times uh, for people that we get very much caught up with what don't I have? And I think if they flip it and what do I have and start reasons, find the reasons why and look at myself, why do I have this and why is this a good thing? They find it. And honestly, that changes to me. It changes your whole perspective on your body when you look at it from that perspective and from just the very basic gratitude of I'm breathing, my body's functioning the way it's supposed to. You know, I know people who can't even regulate their own temperature, so they can't go outside without ice packs or with several layers of clothing because our body doesn't normally regulate. So um, anyway, I can go on and on about it. But the, the point is, I, I, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's the, it's the most radical. It's the most amazing thing you can do when you start loving your body. It really is. Yeah. And I hear that when you were younger, that was more of a challenge as you were comparing your body, um, you know, as, as you were, as parts of your body were expanding and other parts were maybe, you know, were either expanding or not, that there could have been expectations or judgments around that. What do you think has helped you to, um, to like, what helped you to get to that point of acceptance? Well, growing up, so I'm 36. So in the early 2000s, when you're watching your MTV and VH1, women with curves and with hips were all, they were not Caucasian. You had Britney Spears, Christina Lair that were very much just fit and smaller hips. Um, of course, you know, they have their trainers, but as you're a teenager, you're not thinking about this. And everyone was Latina. They was Colombian. They were um, African-American. And you're just like, okay. Where, where's the, where's the, where's the curvy white curls at? Like, where, where are we at? And, um, so it was one of those things where I started to kind of just realize 
I was walking around and I'm questioning this and I'm 17, 18 years old and I'm walking around the the plaza in Kansas city. I I was there for um, a school trip and I noticed there was these statues, these replicas of these Roman and Greek statues. Okay. And we know those statues, right. And the way they, you know, kind of worshiped the, the female form, right. And all the curves. And I look at it and I thought, I literally thought, Kristen, there are statues with your body type. Why are you so hard on yourself when your body type has been praised for centuries? And so it made me sort of kind of own my womanhood, so to speak, graduating high school and going to college, realizing that, okay, yes, I have this smaller frame at the time up top. Yeah, you've got these, you know, 42, 43, 44 inch hips. Um, But you know what? When you go out to the dance floor and you love to salsa dance, you can move those hips and you feel good when you do it. And and people notice and people love that energy and then they want to come to the dance floor with you. Um, You know what? And then when I, when I came pregnant, I thought, you know, I don't have as many problems as carrying my children because of my hips. And so, um, but looking at those statues, was really the big kind of like started the journey. Obviously it's a process, it's a lifelong thing, but um, that's what it really clicked in me. So I started to kind of like study in a way, just the female form throughout history and what my body type represent, which is fertility. And so, you know, it was one of those things where I just, I was so hard on myself. Like I said, it was a process, but that was like the catalyst moment of like, there were little statues and paintings of basically your body, like of, of other, of all shapes and sizes, but like, look at yours throughout history. And so that was a big moment for me to kind of wake up and start this overall like journey. Um, and embracing all of my curves and even having a big booty. I love my big booty very, very much, uh, but also embracing that of being athletic, excuse me, and then, you know, getting that booty in and things filled out the way they were supposed to, but that also started that journey too of um, embracing that. And then thank goodness for uh, spandex (laughs) and stretchy things like that. It's sort of time to try to fit into denim all the time when you're curvy. So that's when it all started. Um, and, and I think about it, it, you know, at the time it just clicked and I didn't realize how big of a moment it was, but now almost 20 years later, I can, the fact that I can actually pinpoint pinpoint it shows me that that was a very big moment for me. And that's kind of how it works, right? Those little moments that we don't realize turn into big moments. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I have a picture of a Rembrandt um, that my mother had up in her bathroom my whole life. And now it's in my bathroom. And it's this, it's funny because I'm actually a natural blonde. I dye my hair as well. Everybody else in my family has red or auburn hair. Um, And so I would look at this picture and it was a a redheaded blue eyed woman who was super curvy sitting naked on the side of a lake. Um, and I used to think, God, I wish I could look just like her when I was younger. I wish I could look just like her. And it's funny because now I look just like her. I do. I look just like her. So, um, 
and at the time I just thought she was really beautiful when I was younger. And I, I also had challenges accepting my curves and I still have moments where I have that challenge. Um, and I, I remind myself by looking at that photo, like this is what four-year-old me thought was like the epitome of beauty. And, and now I look like that, you know, like I can be, it's a doorway to be accepting. So you said something interesting when you were talking about accepting your body and you said that it was, that it was, you didn't use this word, but you implied that it was like rebellious, like the most profound thing you've ever done. Like it's rebellious to love your body. Can you, you know, talk more about that? Oh, sure. I'll get, get ready for this. Um, so as someone who is, um, I do teach a self-care methodology. I, I've studied mainstream self-care versus real self-care. Okay. And part of that, the health and beauty industry, they profit on us hating ourselves. They just do. Right. That's it's, and they do it so well because it's like, Here's these pair of pants with, and it sucks your tummy in. I'm like, what if I don't want my tummy to suck in? What if I just want my tummy to just be a free loving tummy that just hangs out? Because guess what? It's a stomach. It's a tummy. So, and I'm not knocking because I buy those. I also buy them because of comfort too. But I see now through the research I've done, just a little subliminal messages that's fed to us. Um, and so it is, I feel like in a way, it is rebellious because we are fed consistently every day, so much information. And we have 60,000 plus thoughts a day. Okay. Um, and we're fed so much information more than what we're used to. And a lot of it for women is, Oh, you're, you're great. But you know, just this little tweak, just this little here. Um, this is great, but maybe try this. And I'm very much, if you want to try it, try it, but try it for yourself and not because you feel like you have to, to appease someone else. You know, I've debated getting a boob job and, and people are like, oh, well, you should, you know, maybe you should or shouldn't or whatever. And then people are going to judge me whether I do it or not. And I have no intention to, but I mean, I did consider at the time whenever I have, you know, I have eight cup breasts and I have these larger hips and I just want to be a nice hourglass shape and feel a little more even, so to speak at the time, you know, but then I realized that I really worked on it through some serious meditation. It was just to appease others and then to find me more attractive. And then I realized that that's okay to want to be attract people to, you know, find you attractive. That is perfectly okay. Um, but you know, when you're doing something like that to me, it's drastic. That's a surgery you're choosing to have. Um, it needs to come from their purest intentions and not from, I want boys to like me more um, and find me. And what's interesting, uh, what I have found, honestly, the most radical part is just confidence in realizing that, yeah, okay, we're fed so much about how we're not enough. We're good, but we could be better, right? Um, when you really start doing that self-discovery, which I've done the last five years or so of looking at why I do something and why it's something makes me feel good. My self-care process, um, and practicing mindful self-care, you start to kind of see why you really do things. Why did I buy that? Did I buy that? Because I felt like it was on trend 
because I had to, or did I buy it because the way I like the way my body looks in it? Um, so I tell people all the time, if you want to buy all kinds of makeup, which to me is just an artistic expression. Um, if you want to do that, if you want to buy the tummy tuck stuff, if you want to buy, you know, if you want to wear the heels, that is perfectly fine. But maybe ask yourself why and see where those intentions are. Um, and it's okay sometimes if the intention is, I just want to look taller or my legs to look good. My, you know, that's perfectly okay. But I think um, it is kind of a rebellion because if I were to just go along with things, to be honest, I probably still would be married to the person that I was married to. Um, and I wouldn't have the confidence of my body and my curves that I have now because I would have just conformed to whatever trends that happened at the moment. Um, and I probably honestly would still be miserable and I'd be trying to just go to the gym and get rid of my little mommy cooch. I'd be trying so hard to get rid of it instead of just, yeah. Okay. My uterus is there. <laughs> my uterus needs room. It's been stretched a few times. Like it's okay that it takes a little extra space now. It's okay. Um, so it, it is, very much, but it's, you know, something where you have the choice when you start to feel like you're kind of in this rebellion and uh, you're kind of going against mainstream and you're really kind of discovering yourself, you can be loud, you know, and sometimes I might post something in social media about it, or you could just do it more quietly. It can be just this quiet inner, it is, it's kind of, an, it's an inner rebellion. It is, it's just kind of with yourself and loving yourself and accepting yourself. Um, and it's your choice to share it with the world or not. So I don't talk about my body that much. I focus more on the self-care aspects of my company. Um, but it's something I feel like it's been a quiet rebellion. I've been, I've been overcoming and winning those wars every day for years now. I love how you talk about it being a quiet rebellion. And I think that that the body acceptance rebellion is becoming a louder and louder rebellion. And of yeah. course, the 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 counter to that gets louder too, right? Yes. Um, what I I love about what you're saying is you're looking at how your body has shifted through your lifetime based on, and you're looking at the experiences that relate to those shifts. So I think that a lot of people, especially women, um, are always, and you talk about this, um, you talked about this when we set the intention for today, they're trying to get back to something or find themselves from before. Um, and, you know, scientifically that's not realistic for the human body to go backwards and age backwards or, you know, do all these things. And I know that you support people in, in releasing that. How do you do that? Um, so what I do when I work with people one-on-one -on -one is essentially a lot of it is starts with self-discovery. People come to me and they say, I feel lost. And I'll say, well, guess what? Good news is you're not lost. Because they'll come to me, I'm so lost. I'm so, like, no, no, no. What it is, is that rebellion has started inside of you. Something has ticked it off. That something just feels off. So you assume 
that you're lost because the way you've been doing things is not working. And so, or the way you've been thinking and it, it, so people come to me and say, I feel lost. And I say, well, good news. You're, you're not lost (laughs) that, you know, and, and because to me that just has such a negative implication to it and people take it such a bad way. Like you're going to be lost forever, right? Like you're in this abyss and you're never going to get out of it. And that's not true. Now that doesn't mean it's not hard work, but all things worth having are, are, are hard in some degree, in some way. Um, and then when you start doing hard things on a regular basis, things get easier um, because you're used to it. So what I do with people, first of all, is help them get back to realizing that person is already there. For instance, I, I love doing things like skydiving and scuba diving and all this stuff. I could sit here and say, well, when you were 40 pounds lighter, well, guess what? I still love to scuba dive, even though I'm 40 pounds heavier. Like that doesn't change. So I, you know, and I can still wear the bikini if I want to while I scuba dive. That doesn't, that doesn't change. Um, there's parts of me that are still very much the same, no matter what my body looks like, that I can still very much do no matter what my body looks like. Um, so for a lot of times for people, it is that self-discovery of who you are. And I tell people to romance themselves, to date themselves. Um, When we get in relationships, especially with women, we tend to kind of lose ourselves in a bit. We are taught to kind of just comply, right? Be easygoing, just go with the flow. For instance, for example, I hate scary movies. I am a chicken through and through. Excuse me, but my ex would like them. I would watch them and put myself through that. And then I would have nightmares because I was just trying to be that easygoing girl instead of just saying, hey, I don't like these movies that actually give me nightmares and then come with a compromise, right? But I didn't. I put myself through it to be that easygoing girl. So let's kind of ask people first why they do certain things. A lot of power... And a lot of things can be figured out in, in, in the answers if we ask ourselves why. The power of why. Why do I do this? And if you quiet your mind, it'll give you the answer, whether you like it or not. Um, so I tell people first to why do you do this? Why do you, you know, why do you eat sushi? Do you only eat sushi because basically your friends like sushi and so you wanted to get along with it and you kind of force yourself to eat it and now you like it? Or same thing with the scary movies with me. So much of ourselves, we kind of lose to kind of just comply and be the top. We're supposed to be the easygoing type woman, right? When really we can voice our opinions of, you know what? I don't like that. I'm going to do something else. But if we do that, we're, we're seen as being difficult. And so for a lot of women, I tell them at first is, all those times you were told you were difficult or maybe those times where maybe you wanted to speak up and say something different and didn't, whether that's with friends or family, first ask yourself why. Forgive yourself for, in a way, kind of disrespecting yourself and not honoring yourself and how you actually felt because we're taught to just, again, go along and not voice our opinion. Um, And so it starts with that. And it starts with that self-discovery of, what you like that you actually like that feels good to you, not what someone told you to like. Um, and from there, we start this journey. And with my coaching, we start this process of then building the confidence 
around those decisions. Because I know for a fact, confidence has played a huge role in what I do. I had no intentions of starting businesses and creating an app, being a public speaker, you know, traveling to speak, um, all these things. Um, but then my rebellion inside said, you need to do a little bit more. You're meant to do more and then answering that call. So a lot of times it really comes down to the core of not really who you are, but what do you like? And people will say, oh, I like this. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, tell me why you like that. Why do you like that food? Why do you like that color or that scent, that movie, that actress, that book? Um, I want to know why. And by starting with that and opening up the mind, it just kind of opens up the floodgates in a way and allows people to just really start accepting themselves. Cause that's when it starts with is that discovery and self acceptance and then getting that confidence and courage and giving yourself tons of compassion um, along the way to get there where you want to be, whatever your goals may be in life, personally and professionally. I love that because I think it's, I think it's so much about um, like giving yourself space to, to understand the rationale behind the decisions that you're making. Um, and I think that it's, it's the questioning of these things that we've just accepted as fact or uh, accepted to be truth where we really can experience that, um, that quiet rebellion that you were sharing. Cause even when we do that with body norms, right? When we ask like, why is it that I believe that my size is not normal you know, then we can we can really unpack that as we, you know, as you mentioned, like seeing it in um, in other statues that you're like, clearly my body type has been around for years. Like it's these feelings that I have are like there's something that's not fully expressed in the beliefs that I'm holding or that I've, I've been conditioned to believe in. Um, and I think the same is true when we're talking about like uh, people pleasing or if we're talking about um you know, why we do those sort of things where we say we like, you know, sushi when we don't or whatever. It really is more about like what what conditioned us, what what brought us to these places. And as we ex explore and kind of break down the origins of the story, it becomes all the more clear what really is ours and what's not. And I hear that um, kind of unlayering as part of the discovery of your real self, right? Because it's not about losing. It's like, it's like you put on all these things that are not yours, basically. And then, and it's not like you're lost. It's that like, you literally need to let go of some of the things that are not, um, that maybe have covered up who you truly are. Yes, a lot of that too is generational trauma that's kind of been put on us uh, subconsciously, you know, that we don't realize. And when you start doing that work, I'll give you an example. So I was told my whole life of my mother that I was pretty. Um, it wasn't I was smart or talented, and she knows that I'm smart and talented, she believes that, but I was just told I was pretty. Then a teenager, we would go out to some barbecue. So-and-so said, you looked really good tonight. My mother had the best of intentions, but what she was teaching me was outside validation. So when I got to college, I would go out and no one complimented me. I thought I looked like trash because no one said a word to me about my shirt or my hair. 
I didn't hear anything. I thought, or even my eyes, oh, well, I must not look that great tonight. So when I started unpacking, I realized this idea of how one of my needs was to be seen as an intelligent person and not just somebody with a cute face. And when I started to dig into that, realizing that, well, you were told you were pretty your whole life. You weren't told that you were, you know, intelligent and you weren't praised when you got into the gifted program and you graduated college early or all these things that you did. Um, so I did, I did some radical stuff and I confronted my mother in a very safe space. And I know that this is very hard to do uh, when it comes to, especially with family. And I just asked her just very, you know, casually one day we're working in her garden. Well, why did you always call me pretty? And she said, honestly, I was never called pretty. So I wanted to be called. I wanted you to be known to know that you were pretty because that's something that I didn't get. I am almost four out of five. She was the funny one. Right. So she was kind of the class clown and the athlete. No one called her pretty. So she was trying to correct it, right? Like, so she had the best of intentions. She wasn't called pretty. So she thought with my daughter, I'm going to let her know how beautiful she is and kind of overcorrecting, so to speak. Right. But because we had this conversation, any sort of resentment or misunderstanding was just taken away because I thought my parents just saw me as this like doll face that like was just here to just exist to be pretty. I'm like, I'm not here, you know, just for, for objectification. I'm just not here for my looks. But once I realized the reasoning behind it, it made so much sense. I was like, Oh, so she's, she's, I mean, I have a daughter and I think of things that like, I want to do differently with her. Right. And, and, but having that conversation with her and, and in creating that safe space for her to open up, to tell me, completely changed our relationship. But I was hanging on to that, right, from my childhood. And I was hanging on to things that she had. She's not very outspoken. She's not opinionated. Um, my mother is very sweet, but thinks any sort of confrontation is bad when some confrontation is actually incredibly healthy. Um, so as I'm going through my rebellion, I'm starting to see how much I'm not like my mother. And her and I having conversations about that, about me taking off those layers where in my former life, as I say, in my marriage, that I feel like I had to be like her, which is why I was not very happy in my marriage at all, because I was trying to be what I saw, realizing that I can have parts of her, you know, that that are in me, but I'm very much my own person. Um, And that's okay that I'm louder and she's quieter. That's okay that, you know, I like to read books and she prefers to just watch the movie and I read the book and then tell her about it with the movie, you know? So yes, a lot of it too is stuff that's generationally that whether they know it or not, that they're handing to us. And there is a poem and I can't think of the name of it or the author, but I just remember this one and I'll paraphrase it about when it comes to generational trauma, all it takes is one person to turn and face the fire, the rolling fire of generational issues or traumas or misunderstandings to realize that you can be burnt down to be burnt by that fire and to to come back again and to grow back. Um, That you, you can burn and burn and burn, but you don't actually wither away. We're incredibly strong. uh, And when you face those fires, 
you're putting out the fire for future generations. So were things like that to me, it was just these small little generational things that I was taking the choice to turn face, burn down, grow back up again like a tree and in a way save my children from it. And that doesn't mean that I'm this perfect parent and there'll be things that of course we're probably going to spill over that I'm not aware of, but if I'm aware of it, then I can unpack it so then I can help out my children and grandchildren and so forth. So yeah, a lot of times we have stuff that we don't even know that we're carrying. Um, and when we can start shedding that, there's such a, a lightness, actually our bodies are so heavy. You, you get a bit of lightness to you. Um, that is profound that you didn't even know existed, but it's very much there. Yeah. What I like about that too, is the understanding that like your mom had already begun some of the general trauma, general, sorry, the, the generational trauma release, but that she was doing it at her level of awareness and that it's from her level of awareness that you're able to, to address it on a higher level of awareness. And what I love about that is that this healing of generational trauma, this healing of, um, you know, what our past, what our ancestors may have gone through, you know, we are part of that, but it's also the onus of healing. All of it is not on us. We're allowed to do the work that is available to us and we're that we have the ability to do right now but like we don't have to heal all of the things and there will be things that our children and our children's children will see and understand only because we chose to take that step of moving into higher awareness because their awareness builds off of ours and your mom's in recognizing that she didn't just want to be the the funny one you know that she didn't want to just be the athletic one that she also wanted to ex experience appreciation for beauty that shapes your ability to see your own beauty you know and, and that's just a part of it right like and now you with your children I'm hearing are able to give that next level as well where it's you're not you are all of these different things you are none of these um, are exactly who you are and of course uh, you know just trying to do the very best that we can knowing that there is a higher level of awareness still available to future generations. Absolutely. Like, you know, my daughter now, we do the farmer's market and sometimes we sell little products that she makes. You know, she did a painting and two days later, she said, I'm going to sell it. Now, I oil paint, but I am not brave enough to sell my work. And I keep that very much just for myself. But she's six years old, was like, I'm going to sell my paint at the farmer's market. And she did for $10. And I'm so proud of her for that. But I also want to tell her, like, you know, even if it didn't sell, it, it's it's still worthy. You're still an artist it's because mom has chosen to do these things and these podcasts and public speaking doesn't mean that you have to, right? Very much with my sons, my daughter's an extrovert, both my boys are introverted. And so, you know, teaching them to embrace that. And I'm an omnivert, so it just depends on the energy in the room for me. So, yeah, I think too, it comes with a level of, of empathy, right? Um, is to me, that's where things can really, when you start to understand other people about why they, like my mother, like why she did that. Okay. Well, that makes sense to me why she did that. Then, you know, um, like with my kids, I'm sure they will say, well, I don't, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. And well, that's okay. If you want a nine to five job, that's okay. If you want to work for someone else, you know, very much trying to keep things open and cultivating those curiosities and taking labels off of ourselves um, 
is really important. So yeah, I think when it comes to really any part of our life, just doing what we can and know that what we're doing is enough um, that we don't have to do it all. But what's great is when you kind of start going on things, it creates the snowball effect with things. And so there might be areas that you are, that you haven't even, you maybe, maybe had anxiety about, or maybe you were hard stuff about, and then you realize that you're no longer right. Just having that awareness of, Oh, I'm not mad about these gorgeous Hulk arms anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm at, my shirt's being too tight at times or my thighs or whatever it may be. Um, it really is. It's, it's beautiful, but yeah, you definitely don't have to, you don't have to do it all. No one says you have to do it all. I tell people to define your all and go for that. Don't go what societal all is. The same thing goes with your life or you can have it all and people believe that you can't. I say that's crap. You can, but you have to define your all. You can't have society's all because that's not possible because society's all is as big as this room. But when you define your all, when you define what you want in your life, you can have it. Um, and so I'm hoping with my children and especially with my daughter, you know, she's seen me as I am. And I love that she's a little entrepreneur and she's tenacious, but I also realize it's, it's okay sometimes if she doesn't want to be, she doesn't have to be, I don't want her to be like me. I want her to be herself 100% for sure. I would love to know what is one of your favorite self-care or self-love practices? So one that I do for my body is when I get out of the shower, I take my favorite lotion and I start with, usually start with my neck and I really kind of practice to kind of close my eyes and I massage that area and the lotion in. And then I thank that part of my body. I thank it for existing and allowing to hold my head and all these things. And I thank my arms for the strength. And I kind of just do this overall gratitude of my body. It takes me about five to 10 minutes. Depends if I'm really, you know, in a rush or not. Um, but when I slow down to do it, I very much love it because I, I take my time and it becomes as very much just activating that sacral chakra, just very sensual and just very much self-loving and then reminding myself, like I mentioned before, the experiences that I've went through to get where I'm at now. Um, and my body's taking me through those experiences and through those tough times. It's always been there, right? It's always been there for me. Um, and to love and honor and cherish that. So I love doing that. Um, when it comes to my body, I have to say that's my absolute favorite one. Besides the obvious of just putting on some music and then just shaking my booty in the kitchen and getting my kids involved and mom's dancing all crazy. And we just kind of let things flow and let things go. And we just, I sh as I say, shake out the worries. Every time I shake my hip, a worry goes away and just shake it all out. Um, those, those, are, those are my two favorite for sure. I, I love that. And, you know, I know that we've talked a lot about how you support others. I'm sure our listeners would like to know more about what you do in your business and how they can get in touch with you. Okay. So, um, my website currently is back to self-care and that's essentially what the, the shift it's been mine, sir, but it's shifting into a business called back to self-care. 
um, because that is at the core. That's what it is. So what I do um, essentially is just empower and educate people with uh, self-care tools. Um, and I help them in a way just kind of develop that confidence, that courage, that compassion. Those are all skills. So whether that's through online coaching, whether that's one-on-one in person or online, online courses, um, public speaking. And um, I am actually working now with businesses where I go in and teach self-care in the workplace and help people with their communication skills when it comes to that. And so that's essentially what I do. I kind of say, I do say I'm a visionary because I do a lot and there's a lot of different ways and channels to do this with people. Um, the overall message is this, the same to help people realize they deserve self-care. They deserve self-love um, and they're worthy of these things and um, empowering them and educating them with the tools to do so with their self-care tool belt, so to speak. I'm realizing that it's, changing it's fluid what might work one time might not work again you know so that's okay to change it up and just to have all these things kind of at the ready it's essentially what i do and i love it because actually a lot of my one-on-one clients right now are men so i love the fact that men are coming to me about their self-care and wanting to improve it and realize that it's more than just going to the gym so that's essentially what i do like i said my website is back to self-care um.com my Instagram is Miss Selfcare CEO. Anybody wants to reach out through Instagram would be a good way to reach out to me. Um, it's nothing unplanned, but honestly, I cannot see myself doing anything else now. And I think my favorite moment is when people have the aha moment with self-care and what they think self-care is and what self-care really is. That's when I know that I'm, I'm really doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm shedding my light in a way that's helping people really make that radical change and start that inner rebellion inside. Um, that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm here to build rebellions one by one. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. I love that so much. So we all go through periods of time where we feel disconnected. Um, from our bodies. And you've talked about that a little bit uh, in different ways. And you've talked about how you reconnect and there might be listeners out there that are thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm just new to this, you know, this idea of reconnecting with my body. I'm new to the idea that I might be disconnected from my body. Even, um, where do they start? Like, what is the starting piece? Okay, so the starting piece is, first of all, the awareness that you feel something off or you want to do something like, okay, I feel disconnected from my body. My body doesn't even feel mine or however they may feel. So first of all, it's the awareness. So giving yourself kudos to that, because even having that awareness is a huge step because you have to have that first to make any sort of change. Um, Because unfortunately, some people don't have that, which is actually quite sad that some people don't have that awareness and it clicked that something's going on. So I would say to start, once, of course, obviously you're at the point that you've already have that awareness. I would say the first thing to do is to start journaling about your body, to journal how you feel about your body, what you like, what you don't like, every single feeling, I call it a brain dump, just dump it out on paper. 
and then you can always take it and throw it away. So you're like, you're kind of in a visualizing, you know, you're taking the thoughts out and tossing them in the trash, but to literally start there. Um, because when you, I love when people say, I have nothing to write about pen to paper. Yes, you will. You ask your, and you start saying, I have nothing to write about. Your brain will start filling in the paper. So first just do that. Write out, I mean, everything, how you feel like, dislike, you know, and what's going to interest you, what's going to happen is your brain's going to start problem solving about how to make it better. Okay. We don't like yourself. Well, there's no way out of this. Okay. Wait a minute. Well, there is a way. What's the way out of this. Okay. And so for some people that might be to get more of their body, it might be going to the gym or it might come to them of just go be outside. Just go for a walk, put your feet in the grass, ground yourself that way. Right. I tell people to start out journaling, get it all out. Um, I mean, I've cried when I've journaled, just get it all out and then look at it, read it. And then your logic starts kicking in and starts looking up for solutions and allow your brain to do that because we are problem solvers. And so giving yourself the space to then solve those problems and okay, how do I connect with my body? And it could even just be literally Googling, how do I reconnect with my body? And, and, and that's what it takes, what it takes. But I say getting it all out on paper first so then you can start putting together and let your brain connect the thoughts. That, that's the way to get things really going and, and start you in a direction in a more positive way. I love that because journaling is something that instantly basically connects us mind and body. Right? Yep. Because whether or not we want to, we we're physically moving and and creating and working with our body, but, um, you know, and allowing for our mind to kind of flow. And what I think of, too, when um, when people say like um, they have nothing to write about, like I kind of think of it like, well, maybe you just haven't tapped the well for a while. And when you right. haven't tapped the well for a while, the water that comes out at first seems stagnant and it seems like not fresh, but it's just pushing through some of that, um, that stagnant energy or those stagnant ideas that will create and lead you to that wellspring of inspiration and of truth. Absolutely. Yeah. Get this kind of little mental rock, so to speak, right out and then allow it to just flow. And then when I have people tell me, they're like, oh my gosh, I've got so much going on. My, my emotional baggage is full. So then they do that. And sometimes they get overwhelmed. And then I tell them, well, then just pick one thing. Like talks about that rolling snowball effect. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, the overflow is hit. Okay, now you've got, oh my gosh, I want to work on this. I want to work on this and this and this. Okay, well now pick one. One you're going to find is once you start doing that one, the other ones are going to get easier. And a lot of times you dealing with that one thing is actually going to help heal the other things. It's actually, it's all connected. Um, And so it makes it quite beautiful, actually, the way that the mind the body, you know, mind, body, and soul is connected. Um, Cause let's say once you start healing one, then you start becoming aware of other things and it gives you the confidence then to tackle other parts. You know, with me having that conversation with my mother, I was terrified. I'm like, what's, how is this going to go? Is she going to you know, be defensive? Is she going to reject it and ignore me? Is she going to, Oh, this could be confrontational. So she might sweep it under the rug. So I had to really think about how to approach that, but I had to have the courage to do so. And if I hadn't have taken the time to work on other things, I wouldn't have had the courage and confidence to have that conversation with her. 
Yeah, I, I love that. It's so true. Everything is connected. Yes. I'd love to hear your closing thoughts for today's episode, Kristen. Um, I hope people get out of this, realize that, that they're not lost, that they are worth doing hard things for. They're, they're worth it. You are. They're incredibly resilient. And you can burn down and resurrect again and again and again and again and again, as many times as you need to. And to feel everything, because that's how you go through it. Um, and I'd like people to just remember that you know, what they think is not always true. In fact, a small percentage actually is. Um, and I tell my clients, and actually quite a few therapists that I've talked to use this, which I'm incredibly flattered that they do, is that a thought is a thought and a feeling is a feeling, but none of it matters unless you give it meaning. So it really depends on how we define something. And if we choose to latch onto that, you know, you could be doing well with your body positivity, you know, as far as your self-talk and then you have a negative day. And you have the choice to attach that or realize, okay, I had a little bit of a, you know, I had some negative thoughts. That's normal. I don't have to identify with those and I can move forward and continue loving myself in the process. So that's what I hope people get out of this. I love that. Continuing to love themselves through the process as um, of, of self-discovery, of tapping back in and releasing what's not us. So thank you so much for your time today, Kristen. This has been such an amazing conversation. And we will definitely include um, some of the links and information that you shared in the show notes when those are um, when those are distributed on the various podcast platforms. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for giving me the space. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Body Positivity Podcast. Stay subscribed for more body love, inclusivity, and respect for self and others. Until next time. Bye.